Friends, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here. It's great to be with you. Thanks for uh, coming and sharing this, the, the, the opportunity to worship together. Thank you for those who are joining us online. You know, we, we live in a world uh, where information today is, it's, I mean, it's literally at our, at our fingertips, right? I mean, the, the digital assistant on our phones and on our computers, um, in, our, in our, our little dots at, at the house, on our, I mean, it's everywhere, in our cars. It, the information is just, it's overwhelming that the, how, much, how much access we have to information. In fact, you can grab your phone and you can get just about anything that you want. You can say, hey, Siri, what's the weather? I turned it off, so it's not going to. Let me fact this. Hey, Siri. Okay, it doesn't. All right, that's good. Sometimes, you know, you get, some people hadn't trained their Siri to, to their voice. And um, anyway, you can, you can ask Siri, like, how far is it to San Antonio? And she'll or he'll or it, I'm not sure what she is. She'll tell you, how, how high is Mount Everest? Do you realize an 18-year-old girl just recently climbed Mount Everest? Just, just 18-year-old climbed all the way to Mount Everest. Siri could tell you how high that is. Uh, what's the closest gas station? Hey, Siri, what's the closest? I mean, I use that a lot when I look down, and it's like I'm going on fumes, and I need to know quickly. Or you can ask Siri, who won the last Astros game? Now, I asked Siri that this morning, and this is what she said. The Astros were pummeled by the, the Nationals, 13 to 6. I'm like, oh, my word, pummeled? She even has a little bit of a sense of humor, right? And I thought, well, let me ask her again. So I asked her a second time. And she said, the Astros were, were trounced by the, I'm like, man, she can, but she got it. But what if we were to ask deeper questions, deeper questions like, how can I find true happiness? Does God, does he really care for me? Why is there so much suffering in the world or even in my life? What is the, what is the meaning of life? Well, of course, I had to ask Siri, and you probably will too after today. Ask Siri Ask, uh, who are the other ones? Alexa, whatever, whoever you have. What is the meaning of life? Here are some of the answers that Siri gave me. Well, I can't answer that now, but give me some time to write a very long play in which nothing happens. <laughs> well, then I asked her again. She said, well, maybe the meaning of life is to find the meaning of life. So in other words, we are to like, go on a search to find the meaning of life, and that's the meaning of life. And then I asked her one more time. She said, well, nobody really knows, but I'd say anything that involves smiling is probably a good place to start. Now, that one, I kind of like that one. Hey, let's, let's at least get them smiling there. Well, sometime or other, sometime or t'other, I think that's how we used to say it, all of us have, have probably asked that question. What is the meaning of life? The question, what does it does? It drills down into the very core of our existence and the purpose of our, of our place on this, on this planet. It's a question that really, depending on how we answer it, will, it will shape our lives. It will shape our relationships, our work, our play, our priorities, 
our passions, really everything. You know, the world tries to answer this question. Here are some of the ways that, that they answer this question. Some to say, just quit, quit thinking about it and just live. It's not worth trying to wrap your mind around it. Just don't even go there. Just, just live. Or don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, be happy. The hedonist. Only you can answer the question for yourself, so you do whatever you want. It's kind of the subjective. Life, it's you make the meaning. So you get out there. There's no absolutes, so you go do what you want and make a meaning out of life. Or just do what's right in front of you at, the very, at this very moment in time. So just live in the now. That's what the meaning of life is. Uh, some people say, well, just you're here. We, we exist to make the world a better place. Have you heard that one? And then there's, the, there, there's no meaning in life. You just live and you die. The atheistic. There's no meaning at all in life. You live and then you die. So do any of these answers, have they ever come into your own thoughts? Is there any truth in them? Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hopefully find the answer to this question. What is the meaning of life? We're going to be looking at the words of the wisest man that has ever walked the face of this earth outside of Jesus. Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel and the son of King David, and he was the scripture says he was endowed with incredible wisdom. God gave him wisdom. In 1 Kings 4, 29 and 30, it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, beyond measure and breadth of mind that the sand, uh, like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. Solomon is attributed to writing the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Now, you could ask Siri, how do you spell Ecclesiastes? That would be another good question to ask. He also wrote the Song of Songs in the Bible. In this book of Ecclesiastes, he writes about the meaning of life. And so for the next couple of Sundays... That's what we're going to look at. We're going to walk through. Now, Ecclesiastes is, is um, it's wisdom literature. And so it's kind of circular. It doesn't have this progressive kind of nature to it. It, it, it just, it, it, it flows. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, this first Sunday, we're going to look at the vanity of, of life. And then next week, we're going to look at, well, okay, if life is vain, then what does it mean? Can we, are there still things that we can enjoy and be happy about? And you're going to see that in the passage. Then on the last, last Sunday, uh, Solomon gives us, right at the end, he gives us what we need to do to find ultimate meaning in this life. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. Ecclesiastes, it's just about in the middle of your Bible. If you open it up, there's Psalms, and then go to the right a little bit, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. If you're, losing one of, if you're using one of the Bibles there in the pew rack, you can find it on page 553. Now I'm just going to begin. I'm just going to read three verses, and then we'll 
um, kind of walk through the themes of this book and then hopefully find some application. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning there in verse 1. The words of the preacher. Some translations say teacher. I like, actually like teacher. I think it fits a little bit better. The words of the preacher, the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Then verse 14. Solomon says, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. So there we have it. There you have it. Life is a dead-end drive. Life is a dead-end drive. That's what he's telling us. It's all vanity. This word, it means futile. It means empty. Pointless, meaningless. In the most literal sense of this uh, Hebrew word, this original language of the word vanity, it's, it's like a puff of smoke that goes up into the wind and it's just gone. Or, or on a cold winter day, you go out and you, like, you kind of breathe your hot, hot air from your mouth and it just kind of goes and then it's gone. That's the picture that he says. Life is, the things of this life are like a, a vapor, like a smoke on a windy day. Did you pick up on the scope of what he says is vain? The scope, the magnitude. Solomon says that all is vain. All is vain. Everything, everything under the sun is vanity. And he gives us many things that we would I think we would agree that are, are meaningless, such as he, he talks in, this, in the book about dreams, about, um, about uh, chasing the wind, about a fool's laughter, too many words, he says. Now, wait a minute, too many words. I get sermons, they can get a little long, right? So I'll, uh, I'll take I'll heed Solomon's advice here. There are things that we obviously understand as well to be meaningless and vain, but he, what he does, he quickly shifts the focus to some things that are maybe a little bit less obvious and maybe even things that, that are good. And I believe the reason he does is because he knows our hearts. We're no different than Solomon. He knows that our bent is to go toward the things of this earth. And so he's going to walk through, and these are some of the things that he talks about. He says simple pleasures are vanity. Simple pleasures. Chapter 2, he addresses them. He, he gives us this list. And then he always closes out with all his vanity and striving after the wind. Verse 11, 17, 26. So as king of Israel, the wealthiest person in the world at that time, he had the resources and the position to put to the test all the pleasures of life. And he did. He went out and, and experimented. He went out in, in life and did these things. And in the end, he says that houses and vineyards and gardens, parks, trees, pools, all possessions, they're just meaningless. Anything that, they, that his eyes found desirable, he, he took for himself 
and he found that it was just vain. It was lacking. Another thing, as the wisest person in the, in, on the planet, he, he tried to find purpose and meaning in wisdom, in wisdom. And again, he discovered that all the wisdom in the world, all of it, he had it all, it was just meaningless. In fact, he says that the wise and the fool are, are actually on, on the same level. Ecclesiastes 2.16, he says, For of the wise as of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. In other words, the wise man lives, the fool lives. It doesn't matter how wise he is. It's, all of it's gone. It's not even remembered. Both die. He goes on. He says that work is vanity. Many of us find a lot of value and identity in our, in our jobs. But yet again, he's, he's going to throw, throw work under the bus of meaninglessness going to show us that really that work in in the big picture of things doesn't have much value beginning in verse 18 of chapter 2 he describes his own toil and labor and the realization that everything that he works for will be passed on to others and he has no power to even determine how that will be spent i will give it to i'll give it to my kids and they'll maybe they'll use it for good maybe they'll squander it Maybe we have also have seen that in our own, own lives and experienced it. Soon everything is spent. Everything is just forgotten. I want to try an experiment with you this morning. All right, everybody, I want you to think about your mother's father, okay? Your grandfather on your mother's side, all right? Got that picture? You know who that is. Now, I want you to think about his father. So that's your great-grandfather. Okay, you got that picture? Let's go one more generation. I want you to think of your mother's father's father's father, your great-grandfather. Got him? All right, raise your hand if you don't know what he did. Okay, see what I'm saying? Four generations. Four generations. I mean, think about it. In four generations, no one's even going to know my name or what I did, unless I'm Billy Graham or something, and I know I'm no Billy Graham. <laughs> hey, well, you don't have to clap now. Come on now. <laughs> my word. I mean, uh, I may get an amen over here and a clap and everybody hallelujah in the back. Oh, my word. What is this? Man, I'm telling you, no respect, no respect. Bottom line is every one of us, unless... We become some famous something, and even then, most of us, in four generations, nobody is going to know our name. How many of you have the resources of your great-great-great-grandfather? I mean, you might, okay, maybe some of you have land that's been passed on. Maybe, maybe if you've done genealogies and you've looked up and all that, maybe you know those kind of lines, but most of us don't. We're, for, we're forgotten. That's exactly what Solomon is saying. He said, that's what kind of life is. You, we work and we work and we work. We build up all this stuff. And pff, it's in, in a few years, a short vapor of time, it's gone. It's gone. Our work and all that we work for is just a vapor. 
He goes on. Solomon moves to the issue of time and again shows us the vanity of it. He says that there's a season and a time for every matter under the sun, chapter 3, verse 1. And he then gives us this list of these endless cycles of, of life from birth to death. We plant and we harvest and we do it again. We cry and we laugh and we do it again. We mourn, we dance, we throw away, we gather, we find, we loose. We lose, <laughs> not loose. We tear, we mend, we make war, we make peace. I go get a haircut and then it grows. I have to go get another haircut. I used to pull out the grays. <laughs> like, hey, look at that, there's a gray and I'd, I'd yank it out. And then that became meaningless. <laughs> Life is full of monotony, right? Young mothers, you put a clean diaper on. What happens? Then you have to take a dirty one off. And you put a clean one on, only to take it off. And it just, the cycle goes on and on. You cut the grass, and it grows. Then you go cut the grass. You go to work or school, and you come home. You get up the next morning, and you do it again. Time goes by while we stay busy. What is the meaning of it all? What is the meaning? Solomon tells us it's, it's meaningless. It's just cycles. He goes on. Solomon reflects upon life and death in chapter 3 and chapter 9, and he concludes that it's just vanity. And he takes us, actually takes us back to the Genesis account, chapter 3, when God is, man has sinned, has sinned against him, and he's doling off the curses. And he gets to man, and he says this, from dust you came, and from dust you will return. Solomon says the same thing. Hey, we live, God, we, we come, we, we're created, and then we die, and we go right back to where we came from. We live but a short time and we end up in the grave. What about wealth and possessions and honor? I don't know about you, I'm starting to get depressed, right? <laughs> Solomon, he, 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 he gets us at every place. Chapter 6, he tells us that wealth and possessions and our status, our honor, they have no meaning at all. He even says that our, our youth, says he, go, he goes after our youth and goes after our old age and says that they also are smoke in the wind. So, friend, what is the meaning of life? What is it? Solomon had riches. He had wisdom. He had position. He had power. He could do anything, and he tried everything to see if it proved to have some kind of purpose and meaning. And in the end, his conclusion is, is this. Ecclesiastes 1.14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. I've seen everything. I've done it. I've seen it. I've studied it. I've experienced it. And behold, look, listen to me, he says. Listen to me. All is vanity and a striving after the wind. Well, we still don't have the answer. Now, you'll have to come back in the weeks to come 
We're going to look at, man, if all this is vain, he, he does say, hey, there's some good stuff about this. It is vain, but you can enjoy some stuff. Enjoy life. And in the end, he's going to give us, he's, he is going to give us, hey, all of life under the sun is vain. But, hey, here's a couple of things that's going to make the difference and bring some purpose. Don't miss out. So according to Solomon, everything is meaningless under the sun. You know, like, that's the key there. Under the sun. You know, he says that phrase 28 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything under the sun is meaningless. It's referring to life as viewed entirely from the perspective of the world or life really lived apart from God. If you live life according to the world, if you're seeking after the things of this world, if you're trying to find meaning on the things under the sun apart from God, it is futile. It is meaningless. It has no purpose at all. You'll, you can enjoy some things. You can find some happiness. But that deep purpose, no, it's not there. I want to give us three, just three lessons that we can take away from Solomon's perspective that everything under the sun is meaningless. First, first, I think we need to take a real serious look at the effects of sin and its consequences. This is a reminder. Solomon is telling us, he's showing us that everything on this planet, everything has been tainted by, by sin. Therefore, when we try to invest ourselves in the world, we're going to come up short every time because the things of this world were never meant to bring deep lasting satisfaction. It's like trying to make a delicious meal out of a mud pie. I mean, you can bake it. You can air fry it. Now, if you throw some bacon grease, we were talking about that yesterday in the men's break. If you put it in a cast iron skillet with bacon grease, it might, I don't know, probably not. If you're trying to find meaning or purpose through your work, through your income, through your possessions, through your health, through anything on this earth, your heart is going to come up empty. Why, is, why do we have a book in our Bible that seems so depressing? Why, vanity of vanity. I mean, why? Because he knows that's what we do. Friends, we go after the things of this world. We try to find meaning and purpose in things that really don't matter. We think they do. And we get all wrapped up in them. Solomon's just saying, hey, guys, don't do it. Don't do it. I've been there. Trust me in this. Friends, we are not made for the temporal. We are made for the eternal. Let me say that again. Friends, we're not made for the temporal. You and I are made for the eternal. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says he, he made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he's put eternity in man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We are made. God has put eternity. We have this longing for, for something bigger than this world. Yet we, we want to, even though eternity is in here, we want, to, we want to find our satisfaction in the temporary, the temporal, the the smoke blowing in the wind. I 
on this side of heaven, the sin-tarnished things we hope to find meaning in, friends, they're just not going to come through. They've been tarnished by sin, and they're not going to satisfy. Even the good things, even the good things. So we need, a, we need to take a serious look at the effects of sin and understand that. But then we need to take a serious look, secondly, at, at our own earthly pursuits. He's, he's warning us, he's teaching us, or he's preaching to us because, again, he knows our hearts. He knows us. Solomon had obtained money. As I said, he, he enjoyed more pleasure. He had more wisdom that, than anyone else in the world. Yet in it all, he, he only obtained frustration. And in one verse, in Ecclesiastes, he says in, in, he despaired, even despaired. The things of this world, in fact, that's, that's where our enemy loves. He loves us to chase the wind and bring us into despair. We become anxious, dissatisfied. If you're pursuing anything under the sun more than you're pursuing the things of God, Solomon is saying, hey, we're going to end up frustrated and despairing. So how do you know if you're pursuing the things of, of the world, the things under the sun? How do you, how do you know? Well, I think the easiest way, this is how I see it in my own life, I I look for the things where I find identity in, the things that I find identity in. For some, and I've seen it in my life, sometimes it's, it's work. It's work. Do you work at the cost of sleep, friendships, family, church? Do you work when you're on vacation? Do you think about work when you're not at work? If you answer yes to these, it might be, it just might be, I'm not saying it is, but it might be that your identity is a little bit wrapped up in your work. You find, hey, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a director at the Pregnancy Resource Center. I'm, I'm um, I mean, fill in the blank. And that's who we, who we are. Maybe your identity lies in your possessions, your home, your truck, your hobby, food and drink. Maybe your identity is it's, it's, it's in your grades, your relationship status, your appearance, your reputation, maybe your success. We must turn to the Bible, friends, and hear what God says about identity. We can't wrap our identity in the things under the sun. What we got to do is turn to the Lord and say, hey, what is our identity? Who are we? And the Bible is pretty clear about that. We belong to him. Our identity is wrapped up, should be wrapped up in Christ. We are loved. Friends, you are chosen. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are saved. You are set free. That's our identity. That's the kinds of things, those are the kinds of things that change us. Those are the kinds of things that help us walk in the midst of the struggles of this life with, with, a, with a skip in our step. That's when, when, you, when you get that diagnosis, when you get the bad news, when you get that demotion, what, whatever the case is, 
when your identity is wrapped up in him and not those things, you can still find joy and hope. We're his handiwork. Scripture says we're new creations. We're more than conquerors. We're victors. This is who we are. This is our identity in Christ. To try to find it in the world, I mean, it's just futile. But we do. We go there. Sometimes you, some of you have retired. And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm lost. You've worked all your life. Now you're like, man, now what? Now what does this mean? Maybe you're, it's, it's your identity. It's been wrapped up in, the, in, in work and being busy. And we all, every one of us here, Solomon is reminding us, don't find your identity in those things. And if you do, man, do a, kind of do a course correction. Get in the Word. Start, start reading about what, who we are in Christ. Third, we also need to take a serious look at the things, I believe, beyond this world. If the things under the sun are meaningless, then we need to take a serious look at the things maybe above the sun. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, Paul, the apostle, he's writing to this church in Corinth. Chapter 15, 58, he says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is what? Not in vain. But did you see, it's, it's not our work here. It's our work in the Lord. When we're working for the Lord, when we're laboring for the cause of Christ, that labor is never in vain. We are always to abound or to be in abundance in the work of the Lord with the assurance that that work will will have meaning. Our work for the Lord will have purpose. Notice again that he's addressing, Paul is addressing the church and believers in that, in that church. He says, brothers, and, and in conclusion, brothers and sisters, working for the Lord is found in the context of the local church. And though we work for the Lord through organizations like the Pregnancy Resource Center, we want to partner with them. We, we, we partner with our our association as Baptists, we, we work collectively with other Southern Baptist you know, churches in our convention. Um, and those are wonderful things. But right here, God has us in the local church. He's writing to this local church in Corinth and says, hey, this is what you're to do. Work for the Lord together. Link arms together and do the work of the Lord Give yourself to the cause of Christ. So friends, if you're not integrated in the life of a church and serving in meaningful ways, I, I want to simply ask you and encourage you to take the next step. Take the next step. And even really before you can take that step, some of you might need to take, take the first step, which is to turn and to trust in Jesus. Did you realize that Jesus... Ashley took the first step toward us. We didn't take the first step. Our first step is a response to his first step. We've all sinned and we turned away from God and has resulted in a broken relationship with God that, that we cannot repair. We don't have the means. We, do, we can't do it. 
But Jesus stepped out of heaven and onto this earth to come on a rescue mission. He loved us. And he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He, he died on the cross. He gave his life. He paid the penalty that really we should have paid. He took upon himself our sin, our guilt, our shame, and he nailed it there on the cross. He took it from us and nailed it there and now offers us the gift of forgiveness and purpose, meaning, and eternal life. So friends, if you don't know that Jesus, why not say yes to him? He's taken the first step and you just have to turn and trust in him as Savior and Lord. And he gives the gift of all of that, the gift of himself. You can text 94,000. First connect, first connect. And I think it's option four. Just go in there and put your information. You can grab one of those connect cards in the, in the pew there, pew rack. And just you can put your name, contact information. Say, man, I want to know more about following Christ. Drop it in the, in the white box back there, and I'll reach out to you this week. I'd love to, to have, a, have a conversation. I, I had one this week uh, with a brother. You're going to get to, uh, you know, Lord willing, you're going to get to hear more about, about him and how the Lord has been working in his life through some through some big challenges this week. And I just, those beautiful words, man, I want to I wanna live for Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. I can't wait for you to hear his testimony. Brothers of you, followers of Christ, we're called to be a part of, of a family. Maybe your next step is to become a part of, of the family of First Baptist, this church, this this body of believers. You can begin that process at several last, in, or last or this month at our Connect 101 class. That's the first place. That's where you, it's where you go to get connected. We're all about connecting people to Christ, to community, which is what we have here, and to a cause, a cause that has meaning. And you can learn all about that in that, this 30-minute class. We do it the first Sunday of every month. Next, uh, here, the next one will be the first Sunday in June. You get a 30-minute class. You're going to learn about our mission, our values, belief, strategy. You can ask me questions. And just, I mean, what does it look like to become a part of, of the First Baptist family? For others of you, it's just it's time to connect in community. And we do that in life groups. That's where we, friends, this world will beat you up. It is, again, because our hearts bend that way. And we get there, we need other, I need people in my life to say, hey man, John, whoa, whoa. Friend, you need, we all need community. I've got my family, my, my, my wife and my daughter, my, my sons, but I, I need you guys. I need the encouragement. And that's what life groups do. We gather together around the word to pray for one another, encourage one another, to care for one another, to walk with each other through the ups and downs. And even to, I mean, I welcome it in my life. Hey, John, maybe you need a little bit of a course correction here. Life groups. Maybe you're already a member of First Baptist. And you're already connected to a life group. Your next step is to engage in one of our, one of our serve teams. There's a place for you to serve 
whether that be in our children's ministry or our youth ministry, VBS, serving as a greeter, serving on our worship team, media team, hospitality team, our host team, and a whole bunch of other teams. Friend, we need you. We want you. There's a place, God, if God has you here, there's a place for you to serve and to get on something that's above the sun, some, some things serving and giving our, our lives away to others and, and, and helping introduce people to the goodness of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's where, that's where meaning can be found. Together, we labor for the Lord. We labor for the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. It's quite the opposite. It does have meaning and purpose. Friends, you can ask Siri, what is the meaning of life? I encourage you to do it. Give it a shot. But you're not going to get a very satisfying answer. You can ask your fellow students, your coworkers, your neighbors, what's the meaning of life? You might get some interesting answers, but it's probably not going to get you the answer that's going to be very fulfilling. And even when we turn to the wisest man in the world, the answer at first seems disappointing. Life, all, everything under the sun is is meaningless. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, he says. Friends, we're we're not created to find deep meaning in this world. We find some happiness and some joy sprinkled in along the along the way. But ultimately, it's a dead-end drive. We've got to put ourselves, put our hope, put our, put our work in things above. As one author put it, we will find meaning only when meaning extends beyond this life and world. We will find meaning only when, we, only when meaning extends beyond this life and world. So, so let's hold lightly to the things of this world and let's grip tightly the things of heaven and let's help each other do it. You and me, all of us together, laboring for him, finding meaning in the eternal things. Pray with me.